Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I've been trying to get Lewis on the show for weeks now, and we finally got an opportunity to pin him down over the holidays here. Uh, Lewis Horn is the CEO of Unity. It's a remarkable startup that's making uh, little city electric cars in Sweden, uh, and they're crowdfunding for this. You don't want to miss this episode. Stick around. Welcome to the Your Mark on the World show with your champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. This episode is made possible via the support of our sponsors, including Johnson & Johnson's Caring Crowd. Lewis, welcome to the show. Hi, Devin. Thanks for having me here. Well, Lewis, it is great to talk to you. I'm excited about it. You are uh, doing something that is so cool and so sexy in my mind. Uh, tell us about the, the car you're trying to make. Okay, sure. Um, well, you know, any startup, uh, the role of a startup, really, or one of the advantages of a startup is to understand how people's values change. Um, and what we do with this vehicle is try to represent the changing values of people in the form of a product, which um, understandably is looks different and feels different. It is a piece of lightweight consumer electronics. Of course, it's also an electric car and it has a digital first experience. So we don't start from the powertrain up and the, the old sort of car culture values of bigger, faster, and so forth. We start from the new values of people and we start from the digital experience and we build out from there. It is a fascinating approach. So you, you describe this uh, sort of consumer ethos, uh, consumer product ethos as opposed to a car ethos. Uh, why does that matter? I think it's, well, here's why it's important. We're living in an era where culture is no longer locally reinforced in the way that it once was. It's now globally reinforced. So it's an opportunity for things to be done really differently. Um, and in the form of a, a car, in the car industry, this is not an industry that's that changes very fast, obviously. It requires disruptors and it requires kind of courageous startups and so forth to go out there and, and try to change things. So it's, it's, it's very important because of the era that we're in. People are ready for something different, something new. Um, and what we try to do is, is meet that new need, I guess. One of the things that I found interesting in your investment materials online was a description of the production process. You envision, if I understand correctly, uh, having several small factories making 10 or 11 cars a day. Uh, tell us about that. How, do, how does that work? Well, it doesn't have to be as low as 10, or it can be as low as 10 or 11 cars a day. Um, basically, as I said, we start from the customer side and everything is designed for them and the digital experience. So we don't engineer necessarily. We're not the world's best car engineers. We're not the best at producing cars and so forth. Um, what we do is team up with the people that are the best. And what we care about is the digital twin of all of that work in a single seamless platform. So we care about the digital twin of the engineering of the product and the production and the digital basically marketing tech stack that houses the customer data. Uh, so the entire digital layer is what we care about. And what that enables us to do is scale in the same way um, 
let's not say scale in the same way as software would scale, but certainly not be as slow as, you know, a huge global plant that's shipping cars all around the world. Ultimately, what we have to do is find a way to have the biggest impact on society and the biggest impact on carbon uh, emissions and so forth. And in order to achieve that, we need to make sure our CO2 emissions for production are as low as possible, which we can achieve with, you know, redesigning the vehicle, but redesigning the engineering process and the manufacturing process. Um, but also to be able to scale as fast as possible, scale as, as large as possible. Um, there's a lot of cars that are need to be replaced. I mean, hundreds of millions of cars need to be replaced. So our model, our business model is not like, you know, you think about Tesla, that's an en energy play. Ours is a digitalization and a, a data play. So on a face value, you might see, okay, these guys are selling cars. Or if you stretch the thinking a little, you might say they're selling mobility. But in, in actual fact, we're also selling, or we're, let's say we're trying to enable localized assembly of car plants, almost a car company as a service, you could say. So for example, two weeks ago or a week ago, I had just signed an MOU with the prime minister of Georgia. Uh, that's a, a state, not, not Georgia in America, the other Georgia mm -hmm. in Tbilisi. And basically they want to have a licensed like a copy factory. Think of it like a, think of it like a McDonald's store that you can set up everywhere sure. with an entire digital layer. Um, really for the purpose of, of scaling as fast as possible. I mean, Australia, where I'm originally from, they've had car production for a long time. Now car production has left. So they're importing everything, uh, even rare earth minerals for their batteries, even though they have rare earth minerals. So we're looking at what can we provide, you know, if it's, if, if say country like uh, Georgia doesn't have any experience in automotive industry, great. How can we package that experience in a, a digital layer? Because we can capture that all digitally. Um, but they don't have the legacy. They don't have the legacy industry, the legacy way of thinking. So they're not burdened by that old side. So if we can provide this piece of the puzzle, um, I think it's a great opportunity for you know, more countries to be involved in car production and assembly to be all over the world and therefore ultimately achieving our goal of... Uh, moving on from combustion engine vehicles or contributing to it anyway. So in a, a quarter mile race between a unity car and a Tesla model S who wins? A, a Tesla model S will always win. Okay. <laughs> tell, tell us what are the features that you envision? I realize it's, this may not be finalized, but what do you envision in the unity to look like? How do you expect it to perform? What are its features? Okay, so I'll, I'll use the Tesla example as, as a good jump off point. Earlier in, this, in the discussion, I said, we don't design for old car culture values. So if you were Tesla 10 years ago, and you really want people to change their thinking about electric cars, you're gonna have to look at the existing values. And let's say one of them is the quarter mile pace. And you say, let's prove that this technology is so much better that we can beat the old technology at that one criteria. So that's what they've done. And now instead of going down the same route, what we do is start from what are the next values that people want to see? And that's certainly the, the total customer experience, the total digital experience. Um, you know, what we see in the era of smartphones is 
that the hardware, uh, the asset of the hardware, uh, it, it no longer becomes as relevant as the digital asset or the digital persona that I have uh, in the operating system and the total digital customer experience. So in our car, uh, the first most striking difference or the most striking feature is the overall customer experience, the, the digital customer experience, the thing that simplifies things uh, completely goes away from the plastic buttons, backlit buttons and levers and pulleys and mechanical interfaces that have no point. Um, and then of course it, it is great performance in a city environment, but environmentally it's a, a huge leap forward because that's really our starting point. Um, if you have any two-ton electric car that has a huge battery because it's been designed to beat old values, understandably so, it's not as big of a um, environmental improvement as if you could really rethink the energy efficiency of the machine. So 24 kilowatt hour battery of ours will get you 300 kilometers of range in a cold winter's day, maybe 240, but uh, generally you should get about 300. Uh, that's with a pretty small battery. And then if we look at the model over time, we also design that machine so it can be upgraded over time. It can go back into a fleet so that if and when, rather when people constantly upgrade their vehicles in the same way they do for the smartphone, um, we can still kind of extend the life cycle of those vehicles, use them over a longer period of time, uh, decrease the pricing over time, do discrimination pricing to make them available to a wider range of people. Um, yeah, and, and ultimately really move the needle on the, the net uh, environmental impact yeah. of the car industry, which is, is not where it needs to be. So you envision a smaller car, among other things, maybe a, uh, a two-seater. Is this a, a front and rear seat, one or two passenger car that you're envisioning? Yeah, so we have a two-seater model, two seats in tandem, one seat in front of the other. Mm -hmm. uh, this is primarily because of, uh, again, in a mature industry, the rational argument is very much focused on individual specifications, but in a, a disruptive attempt like what we do is we, the rational argument is a change of the fundamental logic. And if we look at the numbers today, we can see the average occupancy of a vehicle trip here in, in Sweden is 1.2 people. And I think it's even worse in the US. So what are we driving around eight, eight seater tanks for at all times? We, we've got to find the reason why. So the, the one plus one configuration is really designed, you know, I said earlier about a great user experience. It's designed solely for that single driver and is an incredible experience for them. And then once a month or once a week when they have an extra person, there is space in the back. It's very comfortable. It's very roomy, but um, we don't design the vehicle outside of that, that single pilot's uh, driving behavior. And then we do have a four seater, a five seater, you know, a whole product line that'll come after this. But we wanted to start with that position of really meaningful differentiation. Mm -hmm. that, that's the opportunity when I, when I said culture becomes globally reinforced or, or there's a culture shift or a way that an opportunity for people to think differently, that's an opportunity to design things differently. So yeah. that we look back, I think, you know, one thing I, I used to say back in the day, I gave a speech for Siemens and I said, 
walked on stage and said, imagine if I walk on stage with great big clown shoes and I was flopping around with these clown shoes on, wouldn't you all think that was silly? <laughs> Unless you, you'd think like, wow, they're not very agile. They don't fit in his life. They're a pain in the ass to get up the stairs or annoying to get around. They seem clunky. They seem overweight, oversized. It doesn't make sense. But if everybody did it, let's say they had really cool features and they're shiny and they're cool brand and everybody does it and it's culturally acceptable. You wouldn't know that, a, you know, a pair of sneakers is much more agile. Um, so that's the kind of opportunity to, to think differently. If you look back in history, humans always get stuck in a certain pattern uh, and the pattern has to change at some point when yeah. there's an opportunity to change we have to try to do it so how <clears throat> what do you see envision the top speed of a unity car is um so the engineering team in silverstone where the the grand prix is uh they're saying 130 kilometers they like to be conservative i think uh probably can go a lot faster but that's not our game right uh we, we don't it what we're more interested is zero to 60 zero to 80 inside a city uh how agile how fast is it there uh how can we avoid crashes and park well and uh you know a, a scooter or a motorcycle does a lot better than the fastest cars in a dense city right uh, so we don't, we don't really go for that top speed. I don't think people should be doing faster than 130 anyway, <laughs> if they can help it. What is the, uh, how many wheels? Are you envisioning three or four wheels? Certainly four wheel car. Um, it, it's just a, a usage of the space. I yeah. think, you know, from a physics standpoint, technically you only need three wheels. Um, from a psychological standpoint, in terms of physics of cornering, it, even though it doesn't have any scientific grounding, four wheels does feel more stable. But in terms of carrying occupancy and you know carrying luggage and so forth, we'll always make four wheel cars, either four or two. Now, maybe okay. one day two. The um, now, would you have the wheels side by side, like on a Segway, or front to back, like a motorcycle? in a two-wheeled vehicle? I, I think that's too far on the horizon <laughs> to know. Okay. Could be either or. Okay. Uh, interesting notion. It's, uh, well, it'll be fun to see how this, how this develops. But um, let's talk a little bit about the crowdfunding. You are uh, raising a million euros on CrowdCube, uh, and you're nearing the end of that campaign, correct? Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, a million pounds or so. It's our third crowdfunding campaign, equity crowdfunding campaign, where the public is invited to become shareholders. Obviously, that's kind of a, really a drop in the bucket in terms of the total capital raise. But um, what we've found or, or the entire company ethos is based on, uh, you know, this idea of, of designing for certain values and so forth, uh, having a big community of people. Community is fundamental to our brand and to our company the entire time. And we see that companies that have done that, Tesla is a great example, they've done, you know, it's been very valuable. So for us, it's very important that the public is represented in our shareholders, uh, not just some secret people <laughs> often yeah. around the world. But yeah. you are also, as you mentioned, this is just a drop in the bucket. You're out there 
uh, also trying to raise another 30 million euro or a total of 30 million euro, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in this company we'll probably be capital raising for the next decade. <laughs> I think it's part of the job. Yeah, <laughs> but at the present time, that's kind of the scale of the ongoing capital raise, about 30 million euro? Yeah, so uh, basically, and, and I, I can't go too much into details. Uh, I, I can tell you what it's all. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of sort of discussions and, and negotiations on the way. So, but basically that gets us to the first two pre-production models and the digital twin of, of those models in December next year. Um, and it gets us the marketing tech stack all set up. So what that means is now we have not just the car that people want, but we can calculate your delivery time, all the pricing and all the features and everything like that. And we'll have a marketing engine that can handle the pre-orders and so forth and, and automate it all. Um, I mean, we have, all, you know, about three and a half thousand deposit down pre-orders now, and we have to really shut that down as best we can because if we market it and have 50,000 as a company, we, we can't even handle that burden today. So the idea is to build up the marketing infrastructure so we can handle that burden and, and then move to the next phase. Excellent. Um, what can you tell us about the valuation and terms available to the CrowdCube investors? Oh, geez, I'm not the, really the right guy for that one. It, it goes through a nominee, CrowdCube nominee. Uh, the valuation is about 97 million pounds, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's had steady growth over the last couple of years. Um, the terms, I think they're standard A-class shares, but I, I don't know more than that. Basically, people invest, I think in the US, they can only invest over $10,000 or something, and it has to be a accredited investor, but the rest of the world, it's a bit more relaxed laws. Uh, you purchase the shares by a Crowdcube, and then there's a, a contract or the shareholders agreement between both of us, and then we issue the shares. I mean. Really, really got to talk to the financial legal people <laughs> about the details of that one. Yeah, but I think it's all on CrowdCube, yeah. No, that's good. Well, uh, Lewis, what is your superpower? Hmm, what is my superpower? Uh, I mean, uh, do you mean, I mean, currently, what do I think is yeah. a good skill that I have? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to sound funny. And this changes over time, right? The skill that you hold most close. Um, and it changes all the time. But currently, the most important skill that I've learned, it's almost embarrassing to say. Um, uh, very recently, I, I learned that. I learned the power in humility and, and empathy to have kind of sovereignty over your own, you know, you call it emotional intelligence. Uh, you, you might've, uh, I might've thought that I, I had learned that in the past and I was completely blind uh, relative to some recent uh, lessons that I've learned. So I, right now, uh, I hope, I, I don't know, but I, I find the uh, humility to be a really powerful thing 
because that means it gives you the power of everybody else. It helps you listen better. So that's an interesting, interesting power. Thank you very much for sharing that. Well, listen, you have been great. I appreciate you're very busy. Uh, before you go, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Unity, how they can learn more about the investment opportunity on Crowdcube, and how they can connect with you personally? Yeah, uh, so you can just search Swedish electric car, or you can search Unity, that's U-N-I-T-I dot earth. Um, so you can, you can pretty much just Google Unity or, or uh, Swedish electric car or something like that. Um, if you want to go straight to the Crowdcube platform, it's crowdcube.com slash unity, U-N-I-T-I. Uh, to connect with me personally, um, the best way is probably if you want to see my day-to-day -day life, it's on Instagram. If you want to communicate uh, and have a response once a month, that's probably Twitter. If you want to see a professional version of me, uh, that's LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, otherwise, you can just send us an email to hello at community and it'll get through to me. Great. Well, Lewis, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We wish you every success in helping to remake our global car fleet into an electric, super efficient uh, fleet of cars that uh, will have less impact on the planet. All right. Thank you so much for having me on here, Devin. And thanks. Uh, keep up the good work. And, you know, we're on the same team. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's do some good. At Caring Crowd, we believe everyone has the power to make a difference. Through our crowdfunding platform for community health, we empower passionate people to drive real change. Whether you work for a nonprofit organization, volunteer, or want to get involved for the first time, you can post a campaign on Caring Crowd. Join us, because caring is where change begins. Thank you for listening. Devon Thorpe's mission is to end extreme poverty, improve global health, and mitigate climate change before 2045 by finding and sharing the stories of those who are doing the most good. You can join with other listeners to accelerate Devon's mission by visiting helpdevon.org right now.